Hey everyone, and welcome to the 56th episode of the Liam McCollum Show. This episode was recorded June 29th, 2021. For parents with kids around, this episode has some explicit language. All right, so this interview was a really great one, but it was also very stressful preparing for. For all of you who know, or I guess don't know what's going on in the Libertarian Party, there has been a lot of shifts of power and a lot of drama, a lot of people who don't like these shifts in power, and some of it is affecting at the local level. I am a Mises Caucus organizer in the state of Montana, and I am getting involved building the party here. I also have been a proponent of Liberty Unity, so I'm willing to work with really anyone here. I decided to get involved because the people I listen to on certain podcasts like Scott Horton and Tom Woods and all of these people started joining the party to bring the Ron Paul supporters away from the Republican Party, where they really do not belong, and into the Libertarian Party. That's where I come from. My guest is also a part of the Mises Caucus, but he's also been in a lot of the conflicts going on at National. I like the guy and I supported his run for chair in 2020, but I also know that he has had some personal conflicts with people in Montana and I know it's made a few people angry and unwilling to work with some of us at local levels. So knowing and sympathizing with these people on the ground here, but also supporting Mises' efforts, I decided to bring Joshua Smith on to talk about his amazing personal story, religion, LP drama, localism and his perspective and goals with the party. I hope that people here on the ground can see that he really does want liberty to grow and has a great strategy to do so that I think everyone can agree with. I also hope I did a good job trying to represent Montana and the people who have been less open to the Mises Caucus here. If not, I want to hear from you guys. I want to work with you guys to build. Here's Josh. All right, so this is another great interview. Um, it's with Joshua Smith. I actually discovered him a few years ago when um, I joined the LP. I voted for him when I went to the convention as an alternate, and I got the chance to vote him in. Um, so this is an awesome opportunity. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for uh, you know making making a, a platform to speak that liberty shit on, dude. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Appreciate and- it. I really want to just hop into your story because I I personally don't know it. And I know that you were in the military at one point, but how did you become a libertarian? Well, it was was exactly that. I mean, it was the military. I I joined the military uh, not long after 9-11 to go and fight the, you know, the evil terrorists uh, that had attacked my countrymen. And um, I was young, you know, I was really young, 18, 19. And uh, within five months of being in the military, I was uh, in the middle of the Persian Gulf on the USS Constellation, and we were uh, fighting war in Iraq. <clears throat> you know, and my young self kind of looked around and was like, "Hey, man, what the, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq? You know, what are we doing here? What's going on?" And uh, and I just started kind of going down that rabbit hole uh, as far as like, "Well, there's no weapons of mass destruction here. These aren't the people that were involved in 9/11." uh what's going on and you know now here many years later i know that it's kind of like a macroeconomics issue over the petrodollar right that's what this was this this war is about um and it was you know baby bush trying to finish daddy bush's uh you know unfinished wars but um and so when i got out i was i was really really jaded on the military industrial complex i mean just absolutely thrashed i wasn't happy about it um i got out of the military i didn't really find a home in the republican party anymore and i've been a registered republican voter <clears throat> and uh uh, I was just really jaded and didn't really have a political home. They still, you know, both parties wanted forever wars with Afghanistan and Iraq. And then, you know, eventually we go to Syria and it's like none of, none of the Republican uh, Congresses or, or, or uh, uh, senators or 
or a, a president or any of the executive branch, I mean, they weren't taking us out of war. You know, there might have been a, a few here and there that didn't want war. Ron Paul, obviously. Um, but I found Ron Paul in 2007. And uh, I was just absolutely blown away by this man. He was saying exactly how I felt. Like, I didn't give a shit about what people did, like, in their personal lives. Like, I never cared about any of that stuff. I just, you know, when it, when it came to um, economic conservatism, I mean, the, the only home I thought I had was, was the Republican Party. But once they showed that they were uh, warmongers, too, it wasn't my home anymore. But, you know, here's Ron Paul going on national television, calling Congress psychopaths and, and, you know, uh, saying in the wars and the federal reserve, he's the one that explained to me how the federal reserve worked. He's the reason uh, why I know that the federal reserve is part of the reason why we're in these forever wars. Um, and so I jumped on Ron Paul's campaign in 2008. I worked as a, as a coordinator there, uh, in California, um, very, very hard, uh, for, a absolute losing fool's errand. Um, and watching the way that they treated Ron Paul over, you know, the, the 2008 and then 2012 again. I mean, the media, the Republican Party, you know, every convention, they, they were locking up uh, Ron Paul delegates. I mean, they were literally arresting Ron Paul delegates in Louisiana. Um, I, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. The Republican Party had officially left me. You know, I was a liberty person. By 2012, I had read Murray Rothbard. I had read uh, F.A. Hayek, Tom Sowell. I, I had read all these great authors. And I, I had opened a window that was never again going to shut. You know what I mean? That's it. It was going to be open forever. Uh, I was always going to fight to to limit the state or roll back the size and scope of intrusive government or, you know, end the Fed, end the wars, end the drug wars, uh, you know, uh, complete criminal justice overhaul. I, I was always going to fight these issues. And the Republican Party had left me. And so um, in 2016, I, I had done some publication stuff. I started help start a, a publication called Think Liberty, another one called Dankertarians. Um, and we had been doing some pretty cool stuff. I was getting to do some writing. I was interviewing some of my heroes for a little show that we had on YouTube. And um, uh, in 2016, I'm watching this, this farce, you know, this, this, is it really going to be the, uh, the reality TV show versus the, the, the kill you if you say something bad about me, lady? Like, huh, this is not good and so uh i decided to get involved with the libertarian party this would be my second time the first time i joined in like 2010 and uh, i wasn't happy with the party and what they were doing in 2010 um so i only gave to them for like three months but i was a registered libertarian voter from 2010 on um and uh and so i joined the libertarian party i, I actually showed up to my first state convention in washington state in 2016 and uh i was the only one who showed up for my region and so i was made the region rep I had never done any kind of party work other than campaign stuff. So I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, I started building local affiliates and writing bylaws and, and the constitution, like a county constitution and all this stuff that, you know, I had never done before. And it was kind of my segue into leadership. And then uh, after the election, I stayed with the party. I kept working with my local party and I'm watching this Nick Sarwark guy, you know, and uh, for me, it was like, at first I was like, oh, this guy's pretty badass. You know, he's got up on stage. He's like, your, your tears are delicious and your parties will die. You know? And I was like, yeah, dude, this guy's cool. I like this guy. Yeah. That's our fucking chair, you know? Uh, and then it, it was like a matter of weeks later, he's attacking Eric July. He's attacking Tom Woods. He's going after Dave Smith and Michael Bolden and just all these great people that I looked up to. And at this point I had, um, I knew who all these people were. I was listening to their shows. I was reading their books. Like, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What's going on here? You're the libertarian party. You know, like you guys are the libertarians, these are the libertarians and you're the libertarian party. What are you doing? You know? And so I was really, really upset. And I started calling around for the 2018 convention and I started calling around a bunch of the bigger name libertarians I knew. And 
I was like, man, you got to run against this, this slimy bastard. You know what I mean? Like someone's got to run against this guy. And everybody was kind of just like, you're crazy, man. That's the most, you know, cherished chairman the party's had. It's two term. He's a trial lawyer, blah, 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 blah. No one would do it. No one was brave enough to run against the Sarwoke. And, uh, and so I had the publication at the time. We had about 17,000 followers. And uh, I dropped an intent to run statement to see what happened. You know, and uh, I didn't ever think it was going to be a big thing. Uh, you know, I was kind of baby face. I was a maintenance guy from the West coast. Uh, I had a couple of decent suits, you know, I'm like, oh, let's see what happens. Uh, I ended up traveling like 26 States. I spoke, uh, in front of thousands of people, shook hands all over the country. Uh, I keynoted a ballroom right behind Ron Paul at the Omaha uh, roads to freedom unconvention in 2018. And then I lost to Nick, uh, but I ended up on the board for the first time. And, and that's really where my, my national journey started, you know, and now I'm in my second term as an at-large on the, on the board, I ran for chair twice. I think I was robbed in 20, uh, 2020, as far as the vote goes, I think, I, I think I probably was the rightful chair, but I'm not, I'm not one of those guys going to run around yelling, stop the steal. Like, all right, you guys probably, you guys likely cheated. Um, the, the vote, the vote totals don't add up. Um, and I only lost by hundred votes. So, uh, but you know, this is my second term national leadership. I'm a stalwart, uh, for, for truth and justice on that board. Um, there's a lot of really shitty people on that board right now. And I've just been, you know, trying to do everything I can to hold the ship together until the Mises caucus can show up in 2022 at the, at the national convention in Reno and, and, and write the ship, you know? Yeah. And I have a question just about like your, um, military career. You, you were actually in the Persian Gulf at one point. I think I, I heard that in, in yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what ha that's what made me, you know, I was I was on the USS Constellation in the in the Gulf um, in 2002. Uh, in fact, I was sitting in the Gulf when George Bush declared war on Iraq, like we were there. I remember I was, <laughs> I was like, so they had this machine, this machine shop, and I had a buddy work in the machine shop late night, he was the only guy in there. So I'd go down there and smoke cigarettes, because if they close, you know, they turn the, the smoking sponsor light off, you can't go out and smoke. And so I go down to the machine shop. And they had, because they had these machines, they had vents and we'd go down there and I'd smoke in the machine shop and blow them out the vents, you know, and, uh, we're down there and, you know, they had the satellite TVs and shit like that. And, and George Bush is declaring war. And then all of a sudden they're like, birds away, birds away. And you're like, what the fuck, you know, what's going on? People are running all over the ship. And I'm like, oh shit, I got to get up to my shop, you know, cause I was just an ABF. I work with fuels and shit. And, uh, it just, it was not stopped. So we were supposed to do a year long world cruise. I was on the constellation and it was supposed to decon the ship. And so when they decom a ship, they do a world cruise all the way around the world. It's like a year long. You get to go to all these great countries. I'm like, what an awesome first duty station. You know, this is awesome. And uh, so we did Hong Kong, Singapore, and then uh, we transited the Straits of Hormuz past Iran, which is scary shit if you've never been in the Navy and, and transited the Straits. There's like Scud missiles all along the shore just staring at you. And then uh, we go into the Gulf and we stopped in Bahrain once. And then George Bush declared war and we were in the Gulf for like, I don't know, five months straight, dude. We had like back-to-back -back beer days without seeing any land. It was, it was nuts. Um, but we were the biggest part of, part of the shock and awe campaign. And that really just didn't sit right with me. I mean, we dropped, uh, fuck, I, I read what it was the other day, 142 tons or 141 million tons of ordnance on Baghdad or some shit like that. And it's like, dude, there was normal people there. Yeah. you know dogs and, and and family pets and and people's cars and their livelihoods and their dreams and aspirations and goals for themselves and their families and it's a big city you know it's a big city like like our big cities where people live 
And uh, that was it for me. I was like, no, I don't want to be a part of this shit ever again. I don't ever want to do this again. And I'm going to try to deter as many people from doing it as I possibly can. And so the, the anti-war sentiment, I mean, that was my, that was my issue, you know, and it's still my issue to this day. It's still, how can I get 300 million people to understand that these forever wars are bullshit and we should stop doing them? Because once everybody in this country understands that, they're going to stand up and tell the government, hey, we're not doing this anymore. But until they all understand that, it's they're just going to keep duping us and us anti-war activists making us sound like conspiracy theorists and shit like that. You know? So, But yeah, I was, I was in the Gulf when George Bush declared war, uh, George Bush Jr. So, Yeah, dang, that's crazy. And now you started this podcast and it's actually growing quite a bit. And it looks the best, I'd say, out of all of the libertarian podcasts. Um, so why'd you hop into this? Yeah. Well, so, so I put, I put a lot of effort into it. Obviously my background here, you can see, uh, but I put a lot of effort into it because the last year has changed. Uh, my life has changed drastically. I went from being a bachelor living in uh, a, a three bedroom townhouse in California with my best friend to uh, having a fiance and seven children. I know that sounds pretty crazy to happen in a year, but um, you know, I moved to Iowa uh, with, to, to be with my now fiance uh, we got pregnant in April. She had two daughters already. I got custody of my daughter in October. Um, we were able to get custody of her two siblings that are not ours biologically so that they didn't go to foster care. Um, when we picked up my daughter in October, excuse me, she was, uh, she was pregnant. We found out she was pregnant. And so my son was born on uh, New Year's Eve. And then we had my daughter's daughter, my first grandchild uh, in March, the day after my birthday. So it didn't really afford me the opportunity to do what I had been doing before, uh, which was traveling a lot. I had gone to 40 states over the last three and a half years, four years, 40 states, man. Uh, I had done all kinds of really cool shit. It was amazing. It was an amazing ride. I got to, I got to meet everybody. I mean, I met everybody, you know? Um, but the cool thing about that was because I had met everybody, it afforded me other luxuries. And now I have the opportunity to continue my work from my basement which is, this is my basement that you're looking at. This is my, my, uh, my fully finished basement basement. And, uh, I get to continue my work without having to leave my family all the time, all the time, all the time. It's also one the reason why I decided not to run for chair. Cause if you remember, I had announced I was running for chair again. Um, but I, I have full faith in Angela McArdle. I think she's great. I think she's going to do a wonderful job. She's a good friend of mine. We've, we've hung out a lot. And, uh, so it was, it was time for me to kind of hand that sword off and let someone else take a stab at, at the king. Um, and this, like I said, this affords me the opportunity to continue my work, uh, continue spreading the, the message. Uh, I've been really lucky to meet people like Dave Smith and, and Tom Woods and all these great people that want to come on my show because, because we know each other. Uh, so why not use, you know, those contacts? Um, and it's a, it's another revenue stream, you know, it's another opportunity to web, a revenue stream to, to, uh, take care of my family of nine. I know I'm the sole provider for nine people uh, financially. And so uh, between my day job and this, I mean, this is, this is what we got. So um, it's, it's a good way if you can do it to get paid for your activism and, and continue to spread the good word of Liberty. So that's, that's why I'm here, man. Yeah. There, there's something I'm interested in. Um, I, I can't remember which interview it was, but you seem to, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this question, right? You seem to have uh, mentioned that you're becoming more open to religion uh would you attribute like that to how transformative your your life was been or it was that a misread so I, I grew up really religious 
mm-hmm. uh, between my mom. My, so my grandfather was very Catholic, uh, Italian Catholic, uh, very, very Catholic. And I would go to mass with him sometimes. I'd go to Christian church with my, my mom quite a bit too. Um, so I grew up really religious and I was religious. I was a, a really a, like a religious zealot neocon until I went to war, you know? And then, uh, I had a lot of issues after I got back from, from, from Iraq, Iraq. And, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't just due to the war. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't see combat. I'm not one of those people, but I had a lot of issues with what I had done, what we had done over there, what I was a part of. Um, and so it really took, it took a toll on me and I had already had some anxiety issues before, um, anxiety and bipolar disorder, uh, before long, before I went in the military, uh, but when I got out, it was really exacerbated. And so it took me a long time to adjust, um, to like trying to have a normal adult life. Cause I went in as a kid and came out an adult and didn't really know what to do with myself. Um, and so there was a long time there where I had drug and alcohol problems and, and, uh, uh, mental health issues. And, um, I just kind of fell away from my faith for a long time. And, and, uh, over the last uh, two years, I just kind of slowly been getting back into it. Um, you know, there's all kinds of events that I could point to and be like, Oh yeah, some of this, some of that, some of this, but really a big, a big part of it was, uh, finding my, my fiance who's very religious. Um, and she's very, she's very good, uh, at her religion and her faith. And it kind of helped to inst- instill that faith, you know, back into me. Uh, I think uh, partners, you know, this is something I had to learn. Uh, if, if anybody followed me on Facebook last year, you know, I, I was not always the best partner in relationships. Um, and so I, I started doing therapy and, and, and kind of asking questions about how I can be a better partner. And, um, I think that becoming a better partner had a lot to do with me, uh, finding my faith again, to be honest with you, you know, and, and, uh, it's also in return helped me be a better partner. And so, I mean, it, there's a lot of things, a lot of different issues and stuff, you know, seeing my son's face for the first time, realizing there's beauty in the world, that there's no way some, you know, just happened. And so I think the religion thing for me, uh, it was a slow phase out and phase back in. And, uh, I'm happy, I'm happy, you know, we go to church on Sundays when I'm off, I work every other Sunday, unfortunately, but, um, and, uh, and it's good. It's been good for the kids. You know, the kids that we adopted, uh, had never gone to church and they're very happy to go to church now. They, they get excited about it. So it's, it's nice to see joy, even if, you know, whether they believe or not, it's nice to see their joy when we get to go. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear. Cause I, I just heard it brought up like in one of the interviews I watched and I'm a Christian and it's, I mean, I mean, it's partially why I'm a libertarian just cause I think it's like uh, it providing the freedom for religious people to um, protect their rights to, you know, associate and, and practice religion. And I just think, there's kind of like this debate going on right now that's pretty controversial about whether or not libertarianism is uh, Christianity without God or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I I wanted to get more into your involvement with the LP. Um, When you joined, was the party pretty small in your state? Uh, The Washington party was actually doing pretty good. I think I want to say at the time that I joined the Washington state party, uh, it was the like 12th maybe largest state affiliate so it wasn't bad um but it has grown a lot and had grown a lot and the mises caucus i mean they're honestly going into 2020 at the national convention they were one of the best mises caucuses like in the country Mm -hmm. uh they were badass they took almost every single uh delegate slot like 32 delegate slots um but uh the see the problem with me was i lived in vancouver washington right and so this is the original vancouver it's 
all the way south, right across the river from Portland, Oregon. Uh, they do not like libertarians in that area. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know much about what's going on in Portland, Oregon, but Antifa basically runs the city. Um, and I lived a little bit in the outskirts of, of the city. And so, um, we had, I had five regions. They made me the region rep. I went back down. I had five regions, five counties that I was overseeing and only one had a, a, re, a county affiliate. So I got to work and started trying to build affiliates, man. You know what I mean? That was like my thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to recruit people and build affiliates, you know, all this shit. And then, uh, I was going to run for, for, uh, 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 state legislator there. Uh, got wrapped up in that for a minute and then found the the Nick Sarwark thing and and no one was running. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to put this off and try to fix the party first before I try to run on, you know, on, on the party ticket. And uh, so it was it wasn't tiny, but it wasn't by any means uh, the biggest state affiliate, um, but it definitely grew. Um, and then and then when I left there, I went back to California um, and I was in California for two years. And, you know, California is the the biggest state affiliate in the country as far as libertarian party goes it's uh california texas and then florida are the three the three bigs um and so i ended up becoming an at-large representative basically for the uh the california state party uh, i ran for chair there and lost to a very wonderful amazing amazing chair she's she's great and probably in you know in hindsight i shouldn't have ran against her she's she's really cool but uh um, so I ended up on the board there. So I was an at-large on the California board. I was an at-large on the national board and, and I was the treasurer for my County party. Cause I went to the bathroom during elections and came back and I was the treasurer suck on that one, Nick Sarwark. Uh, and so, um, that, that was like, you know, when I got to California, it was like, I was really working all the time for the party. I mean, it just, it was like full-time job, full-time party. I mean, just all the time, 80 hours a week, you know? So, uh, and then now I'm in Iowa where I have not been involved with the state party here almost at all since I moved here because I've just been swamped doing the show, working for the national committee and, uh, and raising seven kids. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and then I'm actually a Mises organizer with, with, um, Montana and I'm starting to get involved with the LP here and Montana is actually very undeveloped. Like we have one affiliate maybe, and it's kind of like, we might be compliant. We might not be. Sure. Uh, but something that that a conversation that's really going on right now is I'm sure the conversation that most affiliates are having across the country. And that kind of has something to do with the um, corruption that, that was going on at LP National. And you were pretty um, involved in that whole conversation. Um, and, and I will say, like, I, I do know the people like uh, um, Francis went. I, I'm aware of Francis. <laughs> Rough, sorry, dude. Yeah, I know he's from Montana. I apologize. Well, and then I also know Richie Castaldo, and there's a certain part of me, <laughs> I there's a certain part of me though that like um, because Montana is so small, like you you almost rely on them in a way here. So I was wondering if you could like recount um, what's going on there, and then we can talk about that because uh, just like full disclosure, like we've kind of been struggling with what's going on just because it's fractured like sure. so much. So. Um, could you kind of recount what's going on and then we could get into that and maybe you could give me some advice. Yeah. Long story short, uh, the, the Prags did everything in their power to try and still a state affiliate away from the Mises Caucus who had rightfully been elected to, to the state board. Um, there's now an investigation going forward, uh, that we've created an investigation committee that's going to investigate the actual fraud and, 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 uh, corruption that's taken place. Um, so people will be like, you know, there's nothing proven yet, but I saw it. Like I watched it happen. 
you know, I saw the, the change in words from uh, the people that were involved and the people that were applauding and trying to advocate for the, uh, the corruption, like Francis went, like uh, Tucker Coburn, like Joe Bishop Hinchman, who all resigned in, in absolute shame, if you ask me, you know, um, Joe Bishop Hinchman, essentially, li he lied and couldn't keep his lie straight. Um, and said that he, you know, he didn't know I, he was sending a letter. He would send that letter to any chair that asked him, but you know, Gilletta Jarvis let us know that she had told him why she, why she needed the letter. Uh, then we found out that he sent the letter to somebody else in the state. It wasn't even Gilletta, Gilletta that asked for it. Um, and then he said that he knew, and he thought that there might be a fight over the social media and that's why he sent the letter. And it's like, how many stories you got, man? You know what I mean? After the first story change, we knew you were lying. And he knew that we knew we were, we were lying. He was lying. And then uh, I made a motion to release all of his correspondence, um, uh, you know, official party correspondence between him and New Hampshire. And uh, he resigned that the, the next day. You know, I, I made the motion within an hour of making the motion. All the uh, digital uh, assets were returned to the rightful New Hampshire board. And the next day, Joe Bishop Hinchman resigned. That says a lot. That says a lot, you know, um, and on his way out the door, he tried to throw this, this bomb to get rid of Karen Ann Harlos, who was even more, uh, staunch in the, uh, the truth and, and, and justice department than I was. Uh, I love, love her, uh, watching her work has been an absolute treasure. Uh, and, uh, and Tucker Coburn, you know, he voted to remove a state from his own region and, uh, they were going to recall him. He knew they were going to recall him. So he stepped down, uh, and then Francis went. Uh, went and voted to remove Karen Ann Harlos, who was your region rep before Francis went. Uh, and uh, from what I understand, the, the state chairs there were getting together and they were going to recall for Francis went. He knew they were going to recall, recall him. So on the way out the door, as he's resigning, he blamed it on the Mises caucus and me and Car Karen Ann Harlos and racism and bigotry. And it's like, okay, bud, you were about to get recalled by your state chairs for doing something that you didn't ask them if they wanted you to do. And that's why you're resigning. We know why you're resigning. Everyone knows why you're resigning. Um, and so, I mean, that's really it in a nutshell. I mean, this was a, you know, the Mises caucus has now taken 25 state boards, 25, half the country is Mises caucus owned. And uh, the Prags are getting, I mean, the Prags are disbanded. They disbanded the, the caucus. It's gone uh, because they were, they, they tried and failed to do something very shitty behind the scenes. Um, and they they underestimated the opponent. I mean, at the end of the day, they underestimated the Mises caucus. They underestimated me. They underestimated Karen and Harlos. Um, and, and they shot their shot very shittily. I mean, it was just very shoddy organization, the whole thing, uh, to the point of where it was like, it was obvious to everyone that it was corruption. Mm -hmm. Even the people who were saying it wasn't corruption know that it was corruption. They're just saying that because they were their friends. And so they shot their shot. They realized it was over and they all took their balls and went home. Nick Sarwark stopped his donations to the national party. Uh, you know, we lost one or two big donors and it's like, okay, now it's time to see what we can do because you're not taking it from us anymore. It's over, you know? Um, and that's, that's really it. That's really where we're at today. And now, now the investigation will go forward. I'm sure they'll find some kind of corruption unless all the emails have been deleted you know, which I'm hoping they have it, but that's where we're at. Yeah. And then you were, you were kind of talking about uh, Liberty unity and how you kind of just reject that. And um, I was, I mean, I've been on Reed show and I think that my take about what Liberty unity was um, isn't necessarily what 
the people at national have kind of been or the people associating with the unity movement have kind of been fr framing it as like True. a lot of them seem to use it as a face but then they're like well we don't want any Mises people in here right so so my approach was always like I just wanted to bring the Ron Paul people who are outside of the party in and then work with people who are willing to do it and and essentially my read was like there are certain people like JBH Sarwark who I mean they don't want to work with us but nope. then I, they I never have know. yeah but then there are i will say there are some people um at the local level where it's like i i heard this um on james Lindsay's podcast the other day where it's like if if there are two people fighting outside of a bar they're both drunk um one's right one's wrong and a bystander walks by they're just gonna look and be like well they both look like idiots and locally just to be honest like people are upset with Mises too, like even from the right wing. So it's, it's kind of been uh, a little bit of a struggle, but it's also a struggle because um, these people who might not necessarily sympathize with Mises or Prags are like, well, we're screwed because Francis who essentially built our party is gone now. True. So like, so I don't, I don't know if, if you have any thoughts about like what we, what you would do when, because in, in a certain sense, I do have to defend these people. Um, but don't I also, ever don't ever defend Richie Castaldo, dude. Ever. Well, I won't. Def, I won't defend Richie because I don't know him. But like Francis went. I. I. Our, my other Mises organizer. He like met with him, and they like he essentially allowed us to come into the party and was like, "Hey, like, like you can you can essentially help us build here." And uh. And well, then, he thinks you're he thinks you're a, race, a racist who supports bigotry, though. Just so you're aware. Uh, if you're Mises Caucus, that's that's how Fr Francis Went feels about you. It's unfortunate because Francis at least has a couple redeeming qualities. Mm -hmm. He's a petty jerk most of the time. He has been to people on the board. He was more concerned about decorum than he was about actual blatant uh, corruption. But you don't need Francis. Then. You know what I mean? Like you can build your own state party. That's the thing. You can build your own local affiliates. A lot of people don't know how to do that, but you can reach out to the affiliate support committee from the national committee and get all of the stuff you need to do to build affiliates. It's one link. It's an affiliate in a box link, and it gives you how to write the constitution, how to write bylaws, how to take minutes at a meeting. And all you got to do is get four, four or more people take three minutes or three meetings worth of me, uh, minutes and, and boom, there you go. Register with state. You're good. But you always already have one registered. Like this, your party's already registered with state. Montana is. What happened to Sid? So Sid, Sid's actually the chair. Um, and He's still the chair, right? Yeah. So so Mises, and I, I don't want to necessarily speak for anyone, but like they have been starting to recognize that like, hey, maybe this momentum that Mises has brought is is good. good. Um, I don't want to I don't want to speak for them because that might not be the case, right? But like, right. Um, they're seeing this momentum and they do want to start to build, and um, they're like, well, we'll hold you accountable though. Like, you better not just be here for Reno. True. Uh, which is which is a fair argument and, and you shouldn't be you shouldn't yeah. be like me mises we don't even really want, we don't want people like that we want people that are going to get active and 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 take campaigns and and work with campaigns and we want people that are going to bust their ass to to push liberty in this country through the libertarian party that's what this, this pack was started for it wasn't started just to take over leadership positions you know what i mean yeah so. and i honestly like part of the reason why i wanted to have this conversation was just so because i have a feeling that you know, these, the Francis Wentz, or at least the people who might, you know, talk to him and have relationships with him are going to listen to this just because of how 
local I am. So it's like, I just kind of wanted to bring you on and like say that that is what your goal is because sure. I mean, um, it, so, some other arguments from, from the right wing might be that like, you know, Mises looks like they're a bunch of influencers, but they're not doing anything on the ground, but it's like, we're, we're trying to build right now and we're in that yeah. stage. So I appreciate I mean, there is, well, here's the thing. There are influencers and, and big media people in the Mises caucus, yeah. but certainly not the majority of the Mises caucus. The majority of the Mises caucus are people like you, Liam, you know, people that want to want to organize, want to get things done, want to end the fed, want to end the wars, want to get people elected that are going to push for these things. Like that's the, that's the vast majority. I mean, 95% of the people in the Mises caucus, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. And then you have people like me and Dave and Tom and who kind of lead the ship a little bit. Michael Heiss, obviously, of course, we're influencers We're we have the bigger platforms. We're trying to use those platforms to get more people to come on and, and take part in our causes and take part in ending the Fed and ending the wars and ending the drug wars. Um, Sid's a good guy, though. I like Sid. You know, he's you know, I've had conversations with Sid. He's a good guy. He may not have liked me in the past or whatever, but I, I, I've always th- thought Sid was really cool. But um that's that's what we want that's what this whole thing was about it was never just about taking leadership positions of course if there's leadership that we don't agree with we're going to try and get those leaders changed yeah i mean that's you know that was the whole thing with nicholas sarwark we felt like he was holding the party back he was keeping ron paul the ron paul revolution out of the libertarian party by just being the chair of the party so we wanted to replace him then joe came on and kind of from the same wing you know and it was like okay well we didn't have as big of a problem with joe but then the lockdowns happened yeah. And he didn't say a word about him. In fact, he came out as in favor of max uh, of, of uh, uh, vaccine passports and mandatory vaccine vaccine programs. It's like, no, what are you doing? We just had a year of tyranny handed to us on a silver platter. Yeah. And you're, this is the direction you're going like, no. And so the Mises caucus had a problem with him. You know, it's the Mises caucus has all these goals, those same goals as as other people in the party. And I, I try to explain it to people like this. Yes, there's a takeover language. That's a thing. Okay. I never thought it was like the greatest thing until a couple of years, like two years ago when I realized there was people who simply are not going to work with us and are going to keep the party small. Yes. I want to take the party from you. I, I don't, I don't need you to leave the party, but I need you to take the back seat while I drive the car for a little bit, because I know what I'm doing better than you do. It's obvious you've had a decade. It's not working, but to the people who are in the party, who are willing to work with us and willing to work with uh, with with people that may not agree on every single little tiny issue? Uh, we're here as reinforcements, man. We're not here to take the party from you. We don't want to take the party from you. We want you. We want to. We want to work with you. We want to. We want to work together to end the wars and end the Fed and end, and and you know the uh, the the size and scope of intrusive government and 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 citizen spying and all this shit. We want to work with you on that. So we're just reinforcements. And I tried to explain that to, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, this takeover language, what if there's somebody in there that loves Tom Woods and love Mises and all this stuff, but they've been working in the party for 10 years. And now you're saying you're going to come and take the party from them. And now you're driving them away from no, 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 no. We're here to help you. We're here to help all the people who work together in good faith. The people who don't work together in good faith can get fucked. That's, that's essentially where we went with that. You know, it was like the, the Andy Craig's and the, and the Nick Sarwokes and the, and, and these people who slander people who lie about them who are just vile towards anybody who just doesn't agree 100% on every little thing that they say like we don't we don't want to work with those people and we never had any intention of working with those people we intended to drown their voices out by 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 growing the pond so big that they were no longer big fish in the pond 
And that's what we're doing now. And they know that they've lost. That's why Andy stopped giving to the, to the national party and walked away, you know, and he came in with Gary Johnson. It wasn't like he was this staunch libertarian that had been around for 20 years. And Nick Sarwark stopped giving money to the national uh, committee because they wouldn't remove Karen Ann Harlow's like, shut up, dude, shut up. She's been on that committee since 2016 and she has done more work than any of us, any of us. And so, uh, no, I want people to know that, that when we, when the, they talk about takeover language, uh, it's not about taking the party from you, man, like at all, you know, you know, of course we're going to try and run our people for, for, for leadership positions, but that is just one part of what the Mises caucus is. The Mises caucus is here to help candidates get elected, uh, to craft messaging that resonates with people around the country, especially that anti-war message and to bring Austrian, uh, Austrian economics back to the libertarian party. Cause it, it walked away when, when, uh, you know, Cato and the Koch brothers, uh, basically screwed everybody over that helped them found the Cato Institute, you know? And so, um, that's where we're at, man. It's not, it, it's literally, it, we're not coming to kick everybody out of their positions and, and hate everybody. We want to work with anybody that's willing to, to reduce the size and scope of intrusive government. So, yeah. And that's, that's what Liberty unity was for me. Like when I came into the Mises caucus, like, again, that was the goal. It was just to bring these who just were outside of the party and unite them with the ones who kind of built the party. Um, and then with that being said, like there are these, the Sarwark group, like just these small amount of people who don't want to work with us, but like anyone else. Um, but yeah, and you've been slandered by these people too. Oh, uh, repeatedly. Do you, do you want to talk about that? Cause I think that is important for people locally. That, oh man, like, <laughs> where to start, where to start, where to start. Uh, it all started with a lady named Alicia Dern, man. She popped on the uh, she popped on the national chair race sometime after I had uh, announced, and then her and her shitty uh, campaign manager An Alicia, or, uh, sorry Angela Fisher Owens, came to me try to get me to work with them uh, against Nick Sarwark. I said hell no, I'm running my own campaign, I'm running a clean campaign, and I I'm, if I'm going to beat him, I'm going to beat him on the merits of my my platform and the work that I'm I'm bringing to the table. And they weren't very happy about that. Uh, and then they, uh, you know, sometime later they started taking shots at me and then, uh, started trying to tie me into some sexual harassment claim at my own state convention, uh, which I smacked down with screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. I put out an entire article about it. They were, uh, all, everyone involved, uh, had to uh, give official apologies through that same publication. Um, and they, you know, they were mad. And so I've been called everything in the book, Debbie, dad, abusive, uh, sexual abuser, uh, drug addict, a drunk, uh, you know, uh, in and out of mental institutions and, and all this shit that is simply not true. I mean, there is no proof for any of this. I have no charges. I have, haven't been 5150. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a drug addict anymore. You know, I've been cleaned off drugs for over a decade. Um, uh, I drink occasionally, um, but I, it's very few and far between that I have a drink. Um, there was a time during the campaign in 2017, 18, where it was like, I was at a camp at a convention every single weekend, uh, for like 20 weeks in a row or something. Um, and so I would have drinks on the weekend because the libertarians like, let me buy you a drink, let me buy you a drink. And it's like, I'm trying to make these inroads and, uh, but I never got, you know, shit face, fall down drunk or anything like that. And, uh, but it's just, it never stopped. I've been called a Nazi and, uh, white nationalist and KKK and, uh, you know, neo-confederate and, you know, all the words they like to use, but it's just, it sucks because it was for my own party. Um, but now that, you know, I've been dropping receipts for a while now to, to prove that people are wrong, you know, this child support issue, here you go. Here's my receipts, years and years and years of, of monthly payment. Here you go. What are you going to say now? 
uh, this shit with my daughter and, and these kids, it's like, oh, I'm raising seven kids. I can prove it. Here you go. You know, I got the receipts, uh, you know, that I don't have a job. I'm, I'm, I'm the sole financial provider for nine people prove, prove that I'm not, you know, um, that I'm a grifter, that I don't believe what I'm saying. I mean, it's just anything you can think of. These people have thrown at me to the point of where now it's just funny. Like, I don't even care. I, that's, I, I used to, you know, when I was running for chairman the first time, it was all about how I could please people. You know, I got to make these inroads. How can I, how can I talk to these people that are attacking me nicely? You know, I don't do that anymore. I call them fucking nerds because that's what they are. At the end of the day, these are the same people that wouldn't look me in the eye at national convention. They wouldn't look me in the eye at their state conventions. You know, I showed up and they're like, well, this guy's six foot two and 240 pounds. I had no idea. Like, maybe you shouldn't run your mouth on the internet, you know? Uh, and, and I just, I, I've said it for a while. I think there's a lot of people in this party that have, uh, um, benefited from a long life of never being popped in the mouth. You know, I really do. And, uh, and you know, that's all it is. It's they're, they're really tough online and then, uh, they get in person and they don't even look at you. So, uh, I just laugh at them now. I really do. I call them nerds and, and, and move on. You know, if you, if you watch the LNC meeting, you know, that, uh, occasionally I've told people to eat and suck dicks and, and call them nerds. And, uh, they were really upset about that, but, um, I'm not going to apologize for it. These are the same people that have been attacking me and my family for four years straight. If you're mad at me for doing that, I don't care. You know how to block me, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And then I did, I did want to bring up one more um, thing that I've been hearing just down on the ground. Like uh, another thing that I've been hearing is just since Montana is so um, it already has like this Republican leave me alone culture, right? Like sure. I would argue that Montana is probably one of the most libertarian States. I mean, we had, we, we passed a sanctuary gun legislation that essentially like constitutional carry nullified all federal gun all laws. federal laws. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. We also have um, marijuana sanctuary city or sanctuary state now, essentially. Um, we got rid of um, occupational license, licensing laws. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just like just within the last legislature. Um, so this, this kind of interesting perspective that's been brought up that um, I'm kind of like not necessarily entertaining because I'm still with the LP and everything, but it's like I've had people who really helped the Mises caucus grow here and the LP grow um, drop out because they're like, well, like LP national. Um, well, the, the main concern is just that like the party seems centralized and we need to focus on on uh, localities. And I I'm wondering if you think that like this conflict that happened at national has anything to do with the party being centralized and like whether or not we could decentralize more or if, if, because there's also this argument that like um, this conflict only happens in the beltway area and, and like the West is already libertarian and we should like focus more resources here. And I guess that's what the frontier projects. For. That's what, yeah, that's what the frontier project is. Um, and, and a Paul Pazell, who's the, the, you know, one of the candidate two candidate coordinators for, for the, uh, for the national party has really spearheaded the whole frontier project. He's amazing. Uh, he's one of the greatest assets this party has probably ever had. I don't know. Most people don't understand that about Apollo. Uh, he's a fucking rock star. That man is amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, and he, he went out and targeted races, man. I mean, by himself, went out and targeted races uh, in Montana, Wyoming, Utah, a bunch of other places uh, out there in the West, and said these are these are tar these are targeted races that we can win, you know. And he told us we can win these races. These are state wide races that we can win. 
And he said, this is what it's going to cost. And this is what I'm going to do. And he wrote out a whole package for us. And he brought it to the LNC. And I was, I was willing to fist fight anybody on the LNC that would vote against it. I mean, essentially, that's where I was. I was like, this is one of the smartest things we can do as a party right now. We should have been doing this 50 years ago. The fact that we're not is, is asinine. Um, and Apollo spearheaded that. And, and now it's growing. I mean, people are donating directly to the Frontier Project because we have two state legislators now. Something we haven't done as a national party since the seventies, you know, I mean, we've had, we've had people flip. Uh, we had four, three or four, no, three, uh, New Hampshire state reps flip from two, two from Republicans, one from Democrats in, in 2018, they, they all lost as, as libertarians. Now we're winning races as libertarians as state legislators. That's huge. That has not happened since the seventies. And I think the last time it happened was like in Alaska or something. Um, so that's that's a huge thing. That's a really cool thing. And and uh, anybody who knows Apollo Pazell should give Apollo Pazell money to continue to do what he's doing. And yes, I think we should target races, uh, especially in highly libertarian places like that, like Montana and Utah and and uh, and and Wyoming and and here in Iowa. Even I mean, you know, I I'm talking about maybe running for Congress here. I know it's not a statewide race, but we have one Democratic congressperson here who won her race by two points, two points. Uh, throw throw a strong talking libertarian in there with hardcore libertarian ideals. Uh, I bet she loses. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh, and and hell, maybe I get a high enough uh, a total to do something good here. You know, um, but but we should. Yes, we should be focusing resources on places where we know we can win. Uh, if we're throwing money at races that we know we're going to lose, we're throwing money at races that we know we're going to lose. <laughs> you know, that's and it's an unfortunate part of being a third party. Uh, but we are the fastest growing third party in the country. And, uh, and we have some real steam behind us, especially with the Mises caucus coming in and kind of taking the sales. And, um, you know, we have to run a presidential candidate every year because that's how we keep ballot access in like 28 of our States. Um, so, so the people who are like, Oh, I don't even run a presidential candidate. They just don't know yeah. that we have, we have to do that. Um, but yeah, man, take state. That's where I, you know, I, I love the Mises caucus cause they focus locally. I think it's great. I think the national party should do more focused uh, on state races because really that's where they can make the most difference too. Imagine, imagine if we got six state legislators in one state, now we're change, changing the whole narrative of that state. I mean, easily, you know, they have to, now we have a voting block in that state and, and the Republicans and Democrats are going to have to come to the libertarians and say, Hey, make deals yeah. <laughs> to get shit passed. You know, uh, that's good. That's where, that's where we want to take the party. And I think we have competent people now, uh, that the party has not had over the last 10 years uh, that are getting in, into positions to make that happen. So, yeah. And now that nullification is just like entering the Overton window, like I, I think that it really has to be where the, the LP focuses resources and, Oh yeah. And, and just to, I mean, like verify what you're saying when, when I got involved with them, they told me there was like two planks, like two planks that they were going to focus on. The first was just the presidential election for essentially just advertising and then pour all resources into local races. And I just think that like maybe if, if I did have one criticism and kind of like lent or lean towards what this guy was saying, I would just say that like the narrative should be that way too. And we should really start focusing on that. Um, yeah, I think taking over municipalities is really important um, for the libertarians because that's where we get the opportunity to, to show our communities what libertarian uh, policy can do to enrich their lives. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with uh, Pat Smith, Patrick Smith, um, who ran for not governor of Texas a few years ago. Great guy. One of the most pure, amazing anarchists I've ever met. Uh, he told me, you know, 
you know, I asked him what, what do you think the most important thing to do to change uh, the narrative in this country is? What do you think the most important thing to do to, to move the country towards a libertarian society is? And he said, change yourself. He said, start on yourself, man. Uh, you know, become successful, you know, uh, be financially secure, take care of your family. Cause then your community starts to see that the people around you start to see that they start doing that kind of stuff. Um, so it's the same thing with the municipalities. I mean, we have the opportunity to change communities and when you change communities, the community, you know, the community next to your community sees your community as a better community and they want to start changing their community. It's the same, the same, uh, thing. It's the same, uh, equation, you know? Um, so it is, it is an important thing. And I think that, you know, the, the libertarian party, has largely just kind of forgot about local races and county races. And, and I think that um, a lot of that changed when Jeff Hewitt won uh, 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 county supervisor in Riverside County. Um, I think people started kind of taking him a little more seriously and going, Oh, you know, well, look, he went from Merrick, Alamesa, a little tiny town in the high desert to uh, the uh, Riverside County board of supervisors of, of uh, a county that has a $2 billion budget and, and has a constituency bigger than like eight other States. Uh, that's a big deal, you know, and that's a libertarian in there doing that. And so um, I think people are starting to come around to that idea and I hope more do, but you know, I always want to win state legislator seats because we can make a big difference there too. I don't put a lot of stock in a con congressional and, and, and uh, Senate races right now. I don't think we're going to win them. I just don't think we're going to win them. I, I'm, I, I know that the people that should be running those races are the people that already have big platforms. If you're a libertarian with a big platform, go ahead and run for a federal uh, election. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I've grown a big enough platform where I can run for a federal election. I think that Dave Smith could probably do that. I think that, you know, there's some people out there that can, but if you don't have a big platform, don't be like John Walden dork out in Pennsylvania and announce that you're running for a Lieutenant governor where you get ratioed on your own announcement for Lieutenant governor. Like don't do that. You, yeah. you take away the credibility of the party. When you do that kind of stuff, go run for your, you know, your local school board, go run for sheriff, county sheriff, go run for, go run for uh, a city council then grow your platform from that and use that to move up. If you win, if you win city council, great. You're a city council member. Now that's awesome. You have the opportunity to make a difference in your, in your County. Now your platform's growing. So next time you run, you can run for state legislator, you know, or, or County supervisor or whatever it is that you want to do, but start where you can start. You know, if you have the platform for it, then do it. If you don't, please start smaller, just be logical when you make those decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so with the presidency, um, I know that there's like, there's a lot of people who wouldn't back, like, I know a lot of Prags wouldn't back Dave Smith, or there was a time where they said that if Dave Smith, you know, won the nomination, they just, oh, they're all, back. they're all gone anyways. They all left. Who cares? And I was going to say another, another benefit of, I, I guess, if, if there are people locally who are kind of sad that the Prags dissolved, it's like now the frontier Institute got all their funds. Like they gave, all their funds to the or the yeah, front i saw that the frontier yeah. project which Good. is great for us that's the best thing the prags have done in years yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean seriously what else have they done i mean they really haven't done anything else their whole the prags whole thing like literally was keep anybody we don't like out of leadership positions you know that's like literally what they did all the time they had like big huge whiteboards of leadership positions at national. And they're like, okay, we're going to put this person here and this person here. It's like, man, we showed up with like paperwork and we're like, these are the people we're running. Everyone have fun. You know what I mean? Like let's, we're working on all kinds of campaigns. They, they, they focus so much on, on the one presidential campaign every four years. And then like 
defeating all the people they didn't like in leadership positions. And it's like, mm-hmm. like the Mises caucus does that kind of too, but like, you know, for completely different reasons. And it's not their only focus. It's not their sole focus. They have three, you know, huge like focuses. And one of them's local elections, getting people to win. One of them is, 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 uh, um, uh, uh issues-based coalitions. So working on, you know, different issues around the country, like the, the decriminalized Denver thing was Mises was a part of that. And then, and then the last, but not least is the, is the, you know, changing the Overton window in the party by installing good leadership. And so, um, it just, you know, I'm sorry to see him go, you know, good, good luck. I hope you guys do something great and maybe you'll find Liberty somewhere else, but we're going to keep doing what we're doing (laughs) regardless. And if Dave Smith gets the nomination, I, I would be willing to bet a lot of money. He gets a lot more votes than Joe Jorgensen did. Yeah, definitely. Would you back any of the other candidates if they got nominations like Amash or Cohen or. Un, un, undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Either one. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Cohen for, for, for awesome reasons. Cause I love, I love spike. He's a good friend of mine. I think he did. I think the, the, the Jorgensen campaign would have done a lot worse if it hadn't been for, for Spike Cohen. I think he was the big drive for a lot of people to vote for that, camp, that campaign. And he was unknown. I mean, Spike was almost completely unknown. They had like, you know, 35 people that watched their podcast once a week. I mean, he was largely unknown. Now he's known all over the country. People know him all over the country. He's still doing uh, uh, Liberty things, still traveling. I'm very proud of my friend Spike, and I'm very happy to see what he's doing. Uh, you know, we didn't always agree on every single thing he said, but he did a great job. He's very radical, stayed very radical, stayed very principled. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I would vote for him and, and 100% I'd vote for Amash too. I, I think Amash is, Amash has got the political credibility mostly, you know, I think he took the orange man bad thing, obviously a little too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that might've hurt his credibility with some people, but I, I like Justin Amash. Like I, you know, I, I was a little upset that he endorsed Joe Bishop Hinchman over me, uh, without talking to me in 2020. Uh, but, um, I like Amash. I like Justin Amash. I think he's great. I think he's been one of the best uh, um, uh, congressional people we've had for, I mean, in, in my lifetime, you know, he's right up there under Ron Paul somewhere. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way I would not vote for uh, Justin Amash unless he came out as like, I don't know, anti, fuck, I don't know if, if he wasn't, if he decided that wars were cool and you know what I mean? Like then we'd talk, but for the most part, his platform would probably be right around where I want. Uh, presidential candidates to be maybe not as radical um but he's got the credibility and people know who he is and he knows how to speak pretty well so yeah a little blue pill it's true but i I think in the same way that that dave smith would like uh have the media presence um amash would also have the credibility because because of his position i think that amash would get a lot of mainstream media attention a lot um i think i think dave smith would get on a lot of mainstream media as well. He already does. He already gets on mm-hmm. Kennedy. I mean, he probably gets on uh, mainstream media more than Justin Amash does right now. Um, but he also can go on Rogan and, and you know, all these great big shows that have millions and millions of followers. Joe couldn't do that. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Gary even to an extent really couldn't do that. And so I think Dave, in my opinion, is the best choice. Um, and I hope that he runs. And I hope that he picks a uh, just absolute fire breathing vice presidential candidate, somebody like Tom Woods or Michael Malice. It's not going to happen, but uh, or maybe there's a Smith Smith ticket in the in the future. You know, that would be sweet. <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah, I, yeah. I did hear he he said if Eric July announced that he would do it right now, he'd run. 
Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Or Maj Ture, that'd be fun too. Yeah. yeah. Dave Smith and Maj Ture would just, I mean, people would not show up to the debates. They'd be like, oh, I'm scared of that. I'm out of here. You know, they treat him like uh, Ricky Harrington and down in, down in Arkansas, you know, Ricky Harrington, the black uh, Southern preacher who ran as a libertarian against Tom Cotton got like 30 something percent of the vote. One of the highest U S Senate vote totals we ever got. He showed up to the, uh, the uh, public broadcaster. What, what was it? Was it PBS? I think it was PBS Arkansas. So it was like, you know, their big state channel. Um, he showed up to a one hour debate and Tom Cotton didn't show up. So they gave him one hour to address the constituency from the debate stage, our libertarian. Uh, and, uh, he did really well, 30, 30 something. I think he took over a third of the vote, uh, from Tom Cotton, you know, longtime Senator. So pretty cool. Yeah. And then I know you have to go soon. Um, I was just wondering, did you, were you paying attention at all to like the, the conflict that went on just a couple of days ago with Dave Smith, Vic Armani, or is his name Vic Armani? Or Vin, Vin. Yeah, yeah, we changed it to like Cipriani or some weird shit like that. And then like goofy asshole. Yeah, and then uh who's the other one? Matt Erickson. Uh, King yeah, King Pilled. Matt yeah, Erickson. I like Matt. I like Matt. Matt's cool. I and I think he actually he had some interesting perspectives just as a Christian. It was like, whoa, like yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of him. He's he's new, he's new to me. I know he works with uh is it Jason Stapleton show yeah. or something? I haven't watched any of Jason Stapleton's new stuff in a long time, but I actually really like Matt. He was cool um i don't like vin and armani at all <laughs> at all he's like a fucking narcissistic weirdo uh yeah he, he seemed and, to kind of be projecting a little bit yeah he's you know there was a time when i followed him and i kind of liked what he said i really you know i'm really into crypto i think crypto is one of the tools we should be using to push back the state uh one of the biggest tools in my opinion mm -hmm. um, bitcoin for sure buy bitcoin you know um but Vin just, he just took it to this extreme where it's like, he was going to go attack people for not doing exactly what he's doing, you know, move, moving to fucking what, Bora Bora or some shit, some weird place you know, on an Island and trying to get a fuck like, dude, we can't all do that, man. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't uproot my family of nine and go be an agorist dude. Agorism doesn't pay my taxes. Unfortunately, you know what I mean? It doesn't pay my bills and fucking, it doesn't take care of my family. So, uh, we don't all have that luxury. So some of us are going to use any other tools we can find. And, and, uh, that's why I work with the Libertarian Party. I'm an anarchist, dude, at heart. I mean, Murray Rothbard is who shaped who I am today. Um, but I understand that, that, you know, if I have four different tools at my, at my disposal and I'm not trying to use them all, then I'm not probably not going to get done what I need to get done. So uh, I just don't agree with him. I don't agree with, uh, you know, Sally Mayweather on, on Twitter either. I think those guys are kind of assholes for going at the Mises caucus for trying to uh, shift the Overton window in politics, but you know, they're allowed to do and be whoever they want to be. Yeah. I think there is some legitimacy to like the idea that Ron Paul campaign brought all of them in like, so. Oh, uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. I mean, my whole generation was brought into Liberty. Anybody who was brought into Liberty in my generation, almost exclusive. And I'm 38. Right. So anybody from like, 25 to 38 like in my opinion was probably 90 percent brought in by ron paul and so if you don't if you can't grasp that you know what i mean then i'm not i don't have a starting place to have a conversation with you if you're going to act like that didn't happen you know yeah and i mean like wh where we could focus locally in montana we could focus like at the national level and and try to advertise in in places where there really isn't liberty at all um, I would just, I, I really am more optimistic than most people um, because like we have states like Montana that are nullifying. Um, so that's kind of just, I, I wanted to bring you on to talk about like everything that I'm hearing at the ground level and, and just see what your response was. Hopefully people are listening. 
um, so they can see what your perspective is. Um, I'm trying not to take a side on everyone because like I'm I'm trying to get in the LP here and really build. Like that is sure. the goal. Build build locally and try to try to move the needle. Um, so I I appreciate you coming on. If there's anything else that you want to say, please do. Nah, man. Just uh, if you're seeing this, follow me at at, at uh, uh, youtube.com backslash fight the despots. Check out the show uh, on Monday tomorrow. I start doing five shows a week, man. So it's a pretty pretty fire lineup. It's gonna be really good. And of course, follow me at Twitter at Joshua at large, where I'm at war with the blue check marks. It's a good time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. It's the weekend. We can let go. It's the full send. It's the get go. It's the get go.